Hey everyone, it's good to see you. It's very obvious that it's summer in here. There's like this, like, this very, like, calm vibe in here. Like, everyone's chilling. So I will try to keep it at that pace. Let's just all chill together. It'll be awesome. Um, in fact, you know, summer is a time that you have to cut grass and take care of to hear the house outside. It's like, I forgot you had to do all this in the summer. And so the other day I was out cutting the grass and my phone started to go off. It's just kind of irritating, right? Because you're cutting the grass and you don't want to be bothered and the phone's going. I'm someone, if the phone's going, I have to answer or else it'll drive me nuts. And so I answer the phone. And the person on the other line is freaking out. I don't have a clue who she is. And she got my phone number from someone and she's freaking out because there's a swarm of bees at her house. And so I keep bees and that's something I do as a hobby. I have a whole bunch of hives and and this person heard from someone that I keep bees and so she called me and she is shrieking into the phone about this swarm of bees and hurry, hurry, get these bees away from me and all this stuff. Like it's insane. I hope you're not in here because I'm sorry. Anyway, so um, she's, I didn't even think about that until I started telling this story and that would be really bad. Anyway, so so she's freaking out and shrieking and like I, I felt like I was on the other end of a trauma call and it was when I was like, okay, calm down, tell me your dress and you know, that sort of thing and I get, you know, her dress and I go over there and she, she doesn't come out of the house because she's too afraid to come out of the house but it's very obvious there's this big ball of bees hanging from her tree and it was the most beautiful thing ever. It was like as big as a basketball and it was like, oh, you are beautiful and there's, there's bees flying around and I can see her in her house. She's peeking through the curtains and she call, she's calling me as she's in her house and she says, the bees are over there. Can you get them away? They're horrible. I'm afraid. I can't go outside. They've been in here too long, you know? And you know, like she's freaking out. And then she just, and I kind of really start cracking. I'm like, it's okay. No big deal. I got them. And she just said, I just need peace. I just need peace. And, and like, as if like these bees paralyzed her soul. I mean, she just wants peace. And I thought that'd be a really good intro for today because the truth is, is that, that at the core of who we are as people, you know, the very intimate truth is that we all just want peace. We just want peace. We want to be happy. Sometimes peace and happiness are simultaneously holding hands, the same thing. If I have peace, I will be happy. Happiness is peace. We want to just be happy. Have you ever thought about, like, close your eyes, how awesome it would be if you were just happy? I mean, like, like, what are all the things that would have to happen for you to be happy? You know, the things you would have to have, the, the skills you would have, the husband you would have, the wife you would have, or who she would turn into, or who he would possibly be, or, 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 or possibly if your kids would just do this, you would just be happy, or if your dad would just say you would be happy, or, you know, all these things about our friendships, our spouses, our people we're dating, our friends. I mean, for me, I have a pretty good idea of what it would be like to be happy, but people always get in the way. Like, they mess things up. Like, when I think about my spouse, like, she's cool, you know, but, but if she would just 
just, and I caught myself saying this the other day, like, if she would just do this, I would be really happy. And then, you know, as far as my kids, you know, like, they are the best kids, kind of, you know, but if they would, you know, kind of fall into who I want them to be, and everything's just seen in my friends, like, drama, I am anti-drama, and I have friends who are just consumed with, don't call me, you know, like, if you have a problem, I don't have time, you know, and it feels like they're all consuming, and I'm sorry if you're in this room again, but I love you, and so, you know, it's like that type of thing, like, if my friends were just not so, so needy, you know, then I would be happy. And so have you ever thought about what would it be like for you to be happy in the relationships that you have? What would it look like? See, today's topic is on gratitude, and and we are closing up our sermon series on relationships, because Pastor Allen has just been killing it, and people are saying this has been the best sermon series ever, but now we're coming to the end, sad, but we're doing this on gratitude and the idea of being happy in the things that we have, or is it? Because oftentimes we say that happiness and gratitude will hold hands. They're like almost the same things. In fact, gratitude is the end game of being happy. If I just have all the things that I want and things are good, then I would have a gracious heart and feel whole. But that is not true. In fact, many of us here have plenty of friends who have everything, and they have green grass, you know? And and they have lots of money, and they are spiritually powerful and awesome, and you're like, wow, if I had that spiritual life, and blah, blah, blah. But they are the antithesis of grateful. But at the same time, we also have friends who barely have anything at all. And, and it seems like their, their, whole, um, their whole existence could even be called tragic, but they're grateful and they're happy. See, gratefulness is the birthplace of happiness. It's not the other way around, but we often pursue happiness in the hopes of being grateful. So today... Because we all want to be happy, because we all just want peace. Um, Our topic is going to be gratefulness. Our passage today is Colossians 3, verse 16 uh, 16 and 17. And so if you have your your Bibles open to it there, actually it's verse 15 and uh, 16. 16. Sorry about that. So if you have your Bibles, um, but it'll also be up here on the screen. So as a congregation, how about we all say this together? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Cool. So I'm going to start out by focusing on the first part of this passage that simply says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. This is a very simple phrase, but if you pull it apart, it can be truly brilliant. It can kind of turn things upside down. Um, So for instance, this idea of the peace of Christ ruling your heart. Can peace rule? Is peace a person? Is peace a king? No, of course not. But what if peace ruled? What would that be? 
be like if you personified peace? Who would peace be? What would peace do? If peace was king, if peace had a throne, if peace had a kingdom, what would that be like? And if you know anything about me, I just ask tons of questions. I barely ever give any answers. So go home and think about this. If peace ruled, if peace had a throne, if peace were a king, if peace had a kingdom, and the kingdom was your heart, how would peace rule? What would that look like? What would the kingdom be like? What would the throne of peace be? The castle of peace? What kind of economy would the peace have? Or do you know what I mean? What kind of, 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 of different things would peace proclaim? How would peace solve conflicts? How would peace solve poverty? What if peace were king? You know, and, and so this whole first part of this passage is let peace rule your heart. What would it be like if you personified peace and put that in your heart and say, rule it? What would that change? Because it starts to bring up the question, if peace doesn't typically rule our heart, what does you know, I mean, you got to think of this. Like, if peace doesn't rule our heart, what's ruling our heart? And that's a very fun question, too, that we should all ask ourselves. Does anxiety rule our heart? You know, what type of kingdom does anxiety have? What type of throne does anxiety have? How does anxiety handle conflict? How does anxiety or does insecurity rule our heart? Is there a throne for, for insecurity? And how, do, how does insecurity you know, have its kingdom? And, and how does it approach conflict and people and poverty? Does fear rule our heart? What rules your heart? Because this is the first part. You want to be happy? Let peace rule your heart. What would that look like? This is a big question. If this is all you ask yourself and you get an answer, just go home. We're done here tonight. This is enough. It's big. It's beautiful because everyone has something on the throne of their heart. And the odds are it is not peace. Let peace, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. What would that be like? And then it goes on. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, period, and be thankful. Like, be, be thankful for the peace of Christ. As if that's something that Paul has to hit in there. Like, I know it's hard to have peace on the throne of your heart, so be thankful for it. What does thankful ha thankfulness have anything to do with being happy? What does thankfulness have anything to do with peace on the throne of our heart? What does thankfulness have to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything, and it has everything to do with you being happy. Peace of your heart, the feeling happy, the purpose of who you are, it all boils down to gratitude. So be thankful. So here's the second part of that passage. Here we go. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another through all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. 
Okay, so before we begin to talk about um, about teaching and admonishing and, and hymns and psalms and all that stuff, I want to talk about gratitude a bit and defining what gratitude is just a little bit because gratitude falls at the end of this passage and it's obvious that this whole thing just points towards gratitude, this, gra- this gracious heart towards God. And so what actually is gratitude? To be honest, I have no idea, but I know how it Gets there. I know the feeling of gratitude. I know the wholeness, the peace, the joy of gratitude, but defining it, I don't really have a clue. But I know how it gets there. There are two things that happen that are catalytic to a gracious heart. There are two things that when they crash together, beautiful things happen. First of all, you have to have something that you truly value, like something that you as a person truly value. It's heavy, it's beautiful, it's good. And you hold it in your hands and go, yes. Okay, you have to have that. And then the, the other thing that, that that has to happen at the same time you have this thing that you really value is it has to be a gift. It has to be freely given. You can't buy it, pay for it. You can't trade for it, barter for it. You can't, you know, do the IOU thing. This is something you truly, truly value. This is good. This is beautiful. I've always wanted this forever. And it's yours. You can have it. You didn't do anything for this at all. It's yours. Take advantage of it. Beautiful. Good. And we all have experienced something like that. We, when those two things collide, gratitude comes in. How can I ever repay? You can't repay me. You know, it's that whole thing. Gratitude becomes alive. The thing often about gratitude, though, is we often aren't showing gratitude for a thing or situation or, 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 or actually the value of the thing at all. The thing we're actually showing gratitude for is the opportunity that is behind the thing or situation. Because the thing that we as people truly value the most at the core of who we are as people is opportunity. Opportunity brings forth this heartbeat of gratitude. That was a lot right there. I just talked a ton. (laughs) Everything that is presented to us in in each situation, in, in, in every moment, in every good thing, every bad thing, there is opportunity at hand. And the things that that I have experienced and the things that I am most grateful for and the things that I give God my gratitude for was the opportunity that he has given me through the various things. You see, you can't buy opportunity. You cannot achieve opportunity. You can't barter for opportunity. And so whenever opportunity is at hand and you see the value of that opportunity— Gratitude is born. Thing is, is that opportunity is always there, present in every moment given to you as a gift, every breath, every heartbeat, moment by moment, opportunity after opportunity, but you don't know it. You don't have the value of it. You don't see it. And so it passes by. And we just say, we just want peace. We just want peace. And so opportunity, opportunity, value, seeing it. I have seen the truth that the things that we value most, the opportunities that that 
best point forward are the ones that teach us, that mold us, that shape us, that catapult us ahead. And every single time, those opportunities are not things that we would point and say are positive things. They are hardships. They are darkness. They are death. They are fights. They are arguments. They are struggles. And through the struggles, through the death, through the darkness, through the cancers, through the hardships, opportunity abounds. And this is why we're talking about what is it to be gracious in the relationships that we have. Because the odds are that these opportunities at home, the fights you have with your husband, your kids, when they fail out of a class, opportunity abounds. What is it to be gracious in times of darkness, shadow, death, and see that these are the places that the gospel is born. That's what God does. He gets his hands in the dirt and he breathes into it. He doesn't take happy things and cause them to be happier, right? The the church is all about taking the ugh and going, yeah, opportunity. God is the ultimate opportunist. And whenever you, whatever you appreciate, whatever you give thanks for, what you appreciate, appreciates. That's what God does. It's beautiful and it's good. The opportunity to learn, to grow, to struggle, to live, to eat, to dream almost always comes from something that you would say is a bad thing. It's a struggle between you and your spouse. It's a struggle between you and your kids. It's a struggle. Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Do you see the value of it? Because if you did, you would point your heart of gratitude towards heaven and say, crash into this. Let me see what you do here. You are the God of resurrection everywhere. For instance... Um, something horrible happened <laughs> every day, right? Now, um, so, um, so um, how do I say this? So I haven't had a shower in a super long time. Let's start with it. Um, because our, um, our, our, our water uh, tank at home, it broke, right? It broke like a long time ago. And so we had to shut shut it off. But I'm just that that kind of chill, you know, guy. Like, you know, I'll get around to buying a a tank sometime. And and because it's going to be easy, you can go to the store, you buy it, and then they'll come in and they will install it. And it's easy. And so five or six days go by and I finally go to Home Depot. I buy it. They said they'll come in tomorrow. So it's like, cool. It's only been five days. So I've not had a shower and my family's been awesome. It's like a camping trip, right? That's what we say. We're camping. And so, um, so the person comes, he brings the tank in. And so as he's bringing in this tank, um, he takes it down in the basement, you know, he's, he's awesome. He takes it down in there and then he goes, oh no. I'm like, what? I know you just hook up the little plumbing things. He's like, I'm not hooking this tank up down here. And then he started talking about combustible air and the plumbing isn't up to code and you don't have the right 
electricity. And all of a sudden there is a disaster on our hands of like, there can't be a tank down here. And this is like, who has an extra like place to put a hot water heater tank thing, you know? And then it turns into a 2,000 to 5,000 to 8,000, oh my gosh, type of thing. And then the, the time to get contracted. And it's just like, I don't do this. I'm the chill guy, you know, just fix it. And, and then all of a sudden it's like five days turns to 10 days to 15 days. It's been a long time since I've had a shower at home, but I have had showers at the Funplex. Today I was at the Funplex taking a shower and there were all these people and I'm brushing my teeth and it was just like, I love this. Anyway, um, so my family has this thing now that uh, we have this big pot and you fill the pot just a quarter, quarter up and then you put it on the stove for a half an hour. So that's like scalding hot. And then we take it into the bathtub, then we fill it all the way up so the scalding hot is perfectly hot. And then there's this bowl we have that we go in there and we dip the bowl and you have about 25 times that you're able to dip the bowl. That's it. I counted because I'm obsessed with these sort of things. Like, all right, I'm going to turn this you know, into a contemplative practice. You know, God clean me. You know, so, um, and so anyway, I've been doing this for like a long time now. And um, I'm starting to love it. Um, it's quiet. It's, you can hear it going over your body. It's, I don't, have the endless amount of heat or water. 25 dumps is all I get. Thank you, God, for this water. It's beautiful. It cleans. It's good. You are good. And this this morning, it was five, 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 I am. Thank you, my friend. And, um, and my wife knew I had to get up kind of early and she, she poked me and she said, hey, can I put a pot on for you? And I'm like, yeah. And that, that was her thinking of me. That pot has to be on the stove for 25 minutes. Can I put a pot on for you? And in my head, I was like, that is so hot. She's putting my, she's getting my pot ready. And I, it was just like this really cool. I was so thankful for her and this opportunity and for a shower that doesn't work. And then at the Funplex today, I'm talking and brushing my teeth with people and it all came from this crappy situation that's going to be super expensive and hopefully someday I get it fixed but I don't care because I'm experiencing God and my heart is growing in this midst of tragedy this is a tiny example of good news for us tiny example of good news for us. If this is true, if good things come from bad things, if the, 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 the gospel can, can bring dead things back to life, you know, if God does his best things when the hard things, then the truth that, that, that your, your friendships, your marriages, your kids, your whatever, each time you say, there's a hard thing going on here. It's kind of like the gospel says, good news, <laughs> you know, good news, opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. 
good news. So whenever someone calls me and says, there's a swarm of bees and I just want peace, I want to respond, good news! Because peace is at hand. If the gospel is true, if you truly believe it, there's good news. Whenever your husband comes in and says, I'm cranky today, something bad happened. You say, good news. Tell me about it. You know, opportunity or when... Your friend calls you and says, I need to talk to you for hours. And you're like, good news, you know, like opportunity, opportunity. This is good. So whenever you're given the opportunity and you see the value of it, your heart is pointed towards God and you say, thank you. That's what this passage starts out with, correct? Allow peace to rule your heart and say, thank you. So it says this, it goes on from here and it says, so teach and admonish each other by the wisdom of the psalms and hymns and singing songs of the spirit. How does this fit in at all? It just sounds like a hippie party to me at this point, you know? So teach each other and and do the psalms, read poetry and sing hymns and sing songs in the spirit. There's tragedy happening here. We're not singing. Right? And so so for me, it's like, what is going on in this passage? What are you saying, Paul? And so, first of all, we have to understand again, we always go back to this point that the Bible is intentional about every word it says. Every word has purpose, every word has meaning. And it's supposed to be in there. Whenever I hear psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, they all just blend together for me. They're not supposed to blend together, okay? These are separate things. So I want to define them a bit. Psalms. What are the psalms? It's a collection of poetry about people colliding with the reality and truth about God. They often are about heartache, hardship, and dark places. And people saying, God, where are you? And then God responds, I've been here the whole time. The Psalms are a collection of the human experience intertwining with the hardships of everyday realities and the truth of God. The Psalms cause us to stop. Because it's not about you and you're not alone. Because every human experience, every human heartbeat, everything that you've ever felt, you can find it in the book of Psalms. So whenever you approach the Psalms, you often can find this feeling of, I am not alone here. I am not alone here. I am not alone here. Psalms causes us to stop and pause. Hymns, 
what are hymns? I'm not just talking about the hymns that you have in our hymn books, because Paul didn't even have that hymn book back then, right? He's talking about there's hymns, you know, and teach each other by the use of hymns. Every culture, every age, every tradition has hymns. Hymns are contextualized current songs about the current reality of humanity and spiritual spirituality. It's saying, here's what really is happening. Here's what God is doing. It's like, open your eyes. You are blind. See, hymns keep us, um, keep us aware. They show you what you have not seen before. Hymns will say, look around. Look around. Do you see it? Are you in on this song? I miss the hymns. Songs of the Spirit. Songs of the Spirit are, it's just, you know, isn't this arbitrary term of singing in the Spirit. In fact, the Hebrew people would, say, would talk about the songs of the Spirit very often. The songs of the Spirit are what the, the Hebrew people would say that, that God spoke when there wasn't anything at all. When there was darkness, when God spoke whatever he said, this was the word of God, the one that shattered darkness in half, the one that caused trees to grow and earthquakes to happen. And, um, this is the word. And the song of the spirit is the song that began to happen through that, that all of creation began to join into in the, the breath and in um, the, the, the wind and the breeze. And, and there was a song that began that all of creation comes into that was started by the word of God that became the words of God and you join it. See, this is like the hippie party again, but this is it. It's like this huge concept, an idea that you just don't want to shrink. It's the thing that if you could capture it, it would cause galaxies to boil over, like song of the spirit, right? And so, so it's this breath in your lungs and your soul. That's why the, the same word for spirit is breath and it all goes together and holds hands and it's beautiful and good. So song of the spirit is this idea of creation is at hand. God speaks in the darkness. It's the hold on, something's happening. It's like, you got it. It's, it's big. So, so if the psalms say stop, you know, this, you're not alone. And the hymns are like, look around. Here's what's really happening. And the songs of the spirit are creation is at hand. The earth, hold on, God's about to do something. What would it be like to teach our kids, our, our husbands, our lives in the form of the psalms, the hymns, and the songs of the Spirit. What would that be like? What would that look like? What would it be like 
to teach in the vocabulary of the Psalms and the hymns and the spirit, because this is bigger than any of us could ever be. And it's as simple as going across the street. Like, have you ever gone you know, up and there's cars going all over the place with, and you feel paralyzed? You're like, maybe I should just hike around and go somewhere else. No. How do you teach your kid to cross the street? Stop. Look both ways. Go. Easy. In our relationships, in our conflicts, in our marriages, our friendships, when things are a struggle, stop. Stop. See what's going on. Look at the situation. You are not alone. Humanity has been here before. And so has God. Then look at the opportunity. Look to your left. Look to your right. Look up. Look down. Everywhere is God. And then what is the song of the Spirit saying to go and do? Creation is at hand. And in this Opportunity is in every struggle, every dark place, every F on a report card, every broken ankle, and every cancer. Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. God, you are awesome. So I'm here in this swarm of bees, right? And this person is freaking out. And so, so I get my Tupperware thing, and I'm, I'm there under the swarm, and I g- grab the branch, and like there's this big ball of bees right here. And I, I just really go like that, and the big swarm goes in my Tupperware, and I put the t- top on, right? That's the thing I do. And so then I put the, the bees down. Of course, I don't have you know, all the bees, but I got a good chunk of them. I'm awesome. And so there's a whole chunk of bees in there, but there's a ton flying around still, right? Of course. So of course I get the phone call again and my phone starts going off. I'm like, hello. And it's her peeking out of the window. And she's like, but you didn't get them all. You didn't get them all. I'm like, just give me about a half an hour. She's like, how are you going to do it? And, and she was mad at me because it was like, am I supposed to get them all in the first try? Anyway, uh, so I hope you're not in here. And so So the thing I tell her, I said, here's the thing that I do. If I get the queen inside the Tupperware, because all the bees are all about the queen bee. Wherever the queen bee is, the other bees know she has everything it takes to start over again. She has everything it takes to to build another colony. She has everything it takes. And without the queen bee, those bees are, they're dead. And so if I have the queen bee in there, then they're all going to fly in after her. So I just have to hang out and see what happens. And she says, well, how do you know the queen's in there? How do you know? I'm like, well, I can't see her in there. But you can tell by all the other bees. You see, they all point her direction. They all like, like point towards her. And then they flap their wings and they make the same sound. And you know what I'm saying? And so, so you can see all the other bees bees and she don't have to see her at all to know that queen is in there and it's like they know everything that we have to have is inside of her everything we have so we follow her and the person on the phone says it's kind of like Jesus huh yes 
It's kind of like Jesus, because in the hands of Jesus, he has everything it takes to start this over. He has everything it takes to bring hope. He has everything it takes to say those those words all over again, everything it takes. And so, do you see the opportunity? Do you see the things that God is doing in the relationships that you have? Because they're beautiful, they are good, they are hard, they are broken, they are dark. How can I tell you this? Because all of ours are. Praise be to God. So I want to take some time here um, to to kind of proclaim a poem. Um, So a friend of mine, he composed this poem, and I found it, and I thought, wow, that's a psalm, that's a hymn, and that's a song of the Spirit. It's all who hears it, how, how they interpret it. And there are some of us here tonight who are just dying for a psalm, who just have to hear, stop, stop. And that's for you. There are some of us who need to hear hymns, to see the bigger picture, what's going on. Where is God in this darkness and this brokenness? Some of us are going to hear this as a song of the Spirit, an invitation to go. Creation is at hand. You've been here too long. Run. And that's for you. So as I'm doing this poem, you're able to close your eyes. You can stand up. You can do whatever you want. It's a poem. It's a hymn. It's a psalm. It's a song. And I want it to speak to you because it's all about God and his glory. So please close her eyes. God, you are for the the doubters, the broken, the happy. You meet us in the asking and the talking. You are present. You are present. Help me out, Joy. You are present in the mountaintops and valleys in everything you give us. Resurrection. You are the divine light of surprising and stunning turnabouts. You are God of energizing life and dazzling our finite understandings, telling stories with brilliant twists and fresh beginning. How about you just say the whole thing with me? Yeah. With resurrection in all things, infinite possibilities and open-ended mysteries in our lives, our families and communities across the world. Your love blazes tirelessly, powering the savage solar panels of our hearts. You are for the doubters. You meet the skeptics in the mathematical formations. Our A plus B equals MC squared. You blow our minds with quantum physics upon wave of wave of hope. Simultaneously, countless particles 
bubbles of joy stir the solar systems and galaxies while we ponder the stars. You're enlightening the sparks of faith dancing across our synapses, forging new connection, opening us to your expanses. You are for the broken. You are always with us through every eclipse of the heart. You see the defeated stuck in a shadow phase. You show us the scars of your darkest night. You share your tears and blood and pain, gathering us into your loving arms. You share your death. Then you reveal the light of your flesh. You are always near us. You are for the happy. You meet us in the cheerful and join in their dance. You laugh with us as we break the pinata, throw the confetti, sip fresh lemonade. Your streaming light shines in our smiling hearts. We contemplate the beauty on a tree that becomes cherries and tangerines and peaches. Our heart growing joy and love and peace. You are for the doubters, the broken, the happy. You outshine our finite understanding with your infinite storyline. Every facet of your wisdom is like a beautiful light thrown on the wall like a disco ball, round and round flashing surprises, resurrection all around. Huge exploding stars making planet Earth possible, inching caterpillars cocooning into butterflies, repeating soil teeming with organic life, a new generation of panda cubs eating, sleeping, city smog being transformed by a local ingenuity, resurrection all around, the addicted, the anxious, the codependent, set free, bottomless water for the thirsty, home-cooked feet for the hungry, the insecure, the inadequate, the sacred, empowered by your dreaming love. You are the divine light from heaven, energizing everything. You are the resurrected Christ, Messiah, King, Trinitarian, light in everything. Resurrection, pinatas, butterflies, unchained lives, spring galaxies, fresh fruit, new life. God, we are so thankful to be here.